What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and we're getting to our fourth game of the week, the Cincinnati Bengals narrow defeat of the Tennessee Titans. Before we get started, I want to shout out to the sponsor, Evergreen Power Solutions. They are a concierge power service. They're going to go in there, shop around, get you the best rates now, and then I'll come back in within nine to 12 months, see if they can renegotiate the rate lower for you. Make sure that you're never paying monthly rates because you let the contract run out, which was a problem for yours truly. Give them a call to see if they can save you some money and support the podcast. Let them know that Taylor McLean and the Roundtable Sports Podcast sent you when you call them at 214-444-9816. That, of course, is for our Texas listeners only. Let's get to the football. You know, I know that some people might not think this was the sexiest of games with a 20 to 16 score, but I consider both of these teams to be playoff teams in the AFC. It looks a little bit more clear for the Cincinnati Bengals now that they got this win that they're in the mix. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that they were going to be around when it came time if they got everything moving in the right direction, which they have. On the Tennessee side, of course, I have a pretty strong feeling that they're going to represent the AFC South when it comes time. Granted, the Colts have been playing better, but not getting the win last night against the Pittsburgh Steelers gives the Titans a stranglehold on the AFC South. So their playoff entry might be a little bit more set in stone than the Cincinnati Bengals with the Baltimore Ravens being in their division and having a similar record at this time that just makes it a little harder for the Bengals to make the playoffs when they have a little bit more competition. But still, I, I find them to be be squarely in the mix, and they and they definitely needed this game to remain there, especially when you look a little bit ahead for the Cincinnati Bengals, not to get too far out ahead, but when you look at the schedule for them coming up with the rematch with Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson-led Cleveland Browns, on the road against Tom Brady and then against Bill Belichick, then at home versus Josh Allen and finally ending the year with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Outside of Mac Jones and the Patriots, that's a murderer's row of quarterbacks to have to face to have your playoff life depend on it. So could be a tough stretch for the Cincinnati Bengals coming forward, but they got this win. And that was big for them, especially when it was so hard fought. The Titans did a good job of keeping the Bengals in front of them and making them sustain drives to get the ball down there and get points. And the Bengals offensive line still isn't elite by any means. So the Titans had the ability to rush for and not have to go to blitz crazy to get Joe Burrow off his mark a little bit make him escape the pocket. These teams both played it pretty tough consistently when it came to their front seven. For the Bengals themselves, they had a tough time getting the running game going, especially up front and in the beginning part of the game when we didn't even have a score in the first quarter. And then when we did, we had an exchange of field goals. So it was tough sledding early on, but 
as the game went on, it definitely felt like the Cincinnati Bengals seemed to wear on the Tennessee Titans and they, they seemed to have them on their heels by the end of the game. This was evidenced by the Bengals having a little bit easier time running the ball as the game went along. Samaje started to rip off longer and longer runs, and that made the Tennessee Titans kind of commit a little bit more resources to stopping the run. That gave the Bengals a little bit easier time trying to go down the field, and that's when T. Higgins kind of stepped up and stepped in. That put the Bengals in front and then sealed the game eventually. And it's not like the Titans didn't have chances here. They they absolutely did, but the Bengals did a good job of coming up with plays when they needed them. And they did a good job of limiting the Tennessee Titans and their big plays overall. You know, Tennessee had the big Traylon Burke catch and they had the big Derrick Henry run that ended with the the fumble touchdown and the like. But the way that the Bengals were committed to stopping the run of the Tennessee Titans, you would have liked to have seen the Titans be able to get more over the top. But that's kind of part of Cincinnati's game is that they they try to keep you in front of them and try to make you sustain long drives and, and make you make throws in this instance they they committed so hard to the run that they they wanted to make ryan Tannehill consistently make throws to to beat them at this point and and really uh tennessee did a lot of the same things to the Bengals, except joe burrow actually did have the ability to throw guys open and to make those big throws when it, when it came time and ultimately that ended up being the difference in the game because make no mistake these teams came out and they threw body blows at each other all day long. And it seemed like the Titans were the first team to break. And even though it still took everything that the Bengals had to pull off this win, and it still came down to a bad penalty on an attempted field goal to ice the game. So this is still very highly contested, but it did feel like the Bengals landed more of those body blows and and eventually were able to get through the Titans defenses and get this win. And it's not to say that the Bengals didn't make mistakes. It just seemed like the Titans made them at inopportune times and ultimately didn't have the firepower on offense. Even if they would have gotten the ball back, I have concerns on what they would have done with it. Had, had that happened in the first place and you're down seven and you have to come back at that point. On the Cincinnati side with Joe Burrow, I just really can't get enough of watching him play the quarterback position. I think a lot of us were hopeful that the Bengals offensive line had really greatly improved and would be more of a strength than a burden for the Cincinnati Bengals. And while that has worked a little bit, I I don't think it's at all uh, a solid unit especially in the pass blocking that we had hoped for. Granted, Tennessee is really tough up front and everything stems off of Jeffrey Simmons through the middle. So when your offensive line is weak up the middle, that's definitely going to be a problem when you're facing Tennessee. It's just I think that we had stronger hopes for what this line could be with all the replacements that they made. I say all that to say that the – Despite all of that, and despite 
the line not holding up at times, Joe is a revelation at the quarterback position. He does a great job of moving around the pocket. And you can see that now that he's a year after a year after his leg injury, that he looks faster and seems to have complete confidence in his legs to get him out of situations where he's very deadly outside the pocket and throwing on the run. And then he's also also adept at getting the ball out of his hands and getting it to his receivers. And that seemed to be a point of emphasis tonight that they needed to make these short passes and get the ball out of Joe's hands. In addition to being able to work the ball down the field, they, they needed to get it out of his hands and, you know, really try and wear out this Tennessee Titans pass rush so that, you know, when it came time, they could try and execute some of the deeper passes that they ended up executing. It would be one thing if it was just the physical tools for Joe Burrow, but far from it, while I think they are good and may even be plus physical tools, it's what's between his ears that really make me think that he's going to be a great quarterback going forward. The decision-making is solid as a rock. And I'm not saying he makes every play perfectly, but just consistently the decisions that he makes seems to be right and seems to be putting his team in the best possible position to do what they're trying to do at that point. And it's not just a situation where it's just he's making right decisions either. He's putting it on these guys in the best possible position for them to make a play, whether it's going up and getting it or today there was a lot of run after the catch situations that you know might not have been there had he not been so accurate with the ball, not just in the run after catch either, but also in the contested catch portion of his throws. He really gave his guys good chances to go and get these balls. And with T. Higgins in tow out there stepping up and acting as the number one without Jamar Chase out there, that's been a big revelation for the Cincinnati Bengals as well. I had some concerns after the first game of T. Higgins being the number one receiver, but the Bengals seem to have worked that out and seem to be using T. Higgins' physicality to their benefit in a way you would expect them to without Jamar Chase there. To be clear, I still think Jamar Chase is better than T. Higgins overall when they're both looking right and out on the field, no doubt. But for the Bengals, it doesn't matter which one of them is better if they're both out there. They have the ability to play off of each other, and if you overweight Jamar Chase, then T. Higgins can hurt you and get deep on you or use his physicality to make tacklers miss. Then if you don't overshade to Jamar, Jamar can also beat that one-on-one coverage It's kind of a danged if you do, danged if you don't situation, which is exactly what most NFL teams are trying to set up in one way or another. And when you have Joe Burrow back there making the decisions to have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd out there, in addition to Hayden Hurst, that's a recipe for success. And that makes for a really hard cover for defenses in every part of the field because it's not just the deep stuff. Jamar and T are both good at those things, and, and T showed it in a big way in this game with the two contested catches, you know, basically that decided the game for today. But you can see in the other aspects of it, too, that cornerbacks, defensive backs, 
have a real problem with his size. And when they go to tackle him, they often come up light and he's able to get by them and, and run through those tackles. It'll be interesting to see the usage of T Higgins once Jamar Chase is back in the mix, but to have T have played as well as he has to keep the Bengals afloat in these games has been critical and it was never more on display than it was in this game when he goes up and yeah, it was, there was a lot of hand fighting and there was a lot of contact on the touchdown for sure, but that was going both ways. And in the end, T made a nice football play and a very minimal push off to be able to get the separation that he got and to get that play. And that kind of physicality out of a guy that runs the way that T Higgins runs is special. And to have that in your number two guy who has now shown that he's capable of being the alpha when needed as well, that's uh, that's great for your team when you've been able to stay afloat without Jamar Chase to have someone step up and give his team that confidence in him. Not that they already didn't have it, but that he's shown them that in that role, he can be successful, you know, should something happen to Jamar again, or the defense is dedicated to taking Jamar out. Now it feels like the Bengals will have a little bit better game plan on what to do in those instances. Same thing with Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. Once again, I don't think uh, the Bengals lacked any sort of confidence in Samaj P. Ryan, but I think it's got to give them a little bit more to see him as played as well as he has without Joe Mixon out there. Once again, I think Joe Mixon is pretty close to coming back as well. And as I read to you earlier, the schedule's pretty dang hard, so they're going to need him back in the worst way. And I still think that Joe Mixon is the superior back to Samaj P. Ryan, but I think the Bengals would be smart to continue to mix Samaj in there, continue to get him catches out of the backfield, get him past the line of scrimmage, and get him mashed up on some cornerbacks and linebackers in some space. And I think he could take advantage of that. He might not be quite as good, as I said, with the between the tackle stuff, but he's absolutely serviceable. And as a matter of fact, really got going in the second half of this game and seemed to gouge the Titans in a way that made them adjust. And in the end, might have been one of the bigger reasons that the Bengals ended up getting this win. So while I think it's important for the Bengals to get their players back and to have their full complement of guys when it comes time for the playoffs, and even in this stretch, they're going to need them because the games are so tough. But I think there's also a lot of value in getting the experience from the guys that you've got experience from while Mixon and Jamar Chase are out. Quickly, that also goes for a guy named Trenton Irwin. While I don't think Trenton is blowing up the internet with his play or should be a featured wide receiver in the offense when Jamar Chase comes back. I think he has something as far as making tough catches and potentially being a solid number four wide receiver in this offense. So that's another little aside. And that's another player that they've kind of unearthed when they had to have the next man up with their wide receivers. But it's really nice to have a guy that's capable of doing some things like Trenton is in your fourth wide receiver spot. Like I said, not that I think he should replace T or Tyler or Jamar by any means, but it's a nice find to have a guy that seems to have a nose for making plays. Those those are the type of guys that can go very unnoticed in an offense that has so many 
high profile guy. So to have him kind of develop a little bit while Jamar was sidelined was also a nice benefit for the Bengals. In addition to getting this win today on the other side with the Titans, obviously it's a bummer to have played as well as you played on defense and to have made some of the plays that you made on offense and not get the win on this day. The Bengals did a really good job, as I mentioned earlier, of committing resources and playing really downhill to try and stop Derrick Henry. And as it turned out for the bulk of the game, because they were playing so downhill and trying to penetrate and get into the backfield to stop Derrick Henry from getting going, it also kind of functioned in a way to disrupt the play action as well because they were trying to play on the Tennessee side of the field that can really be disruptive to the run game. And then when you have two beefcakes in the middle clogging things up, you know, getting DJ reader back has been big for the Bengals recently and to have him and, and to be committing resources to putting a bunch of big guys up front and trying to create that penetration and play downhill. As I had spoken about, that was an overall problem for Tennessee. And had they been able to, be a little bit more forceful downfield with their passing. I I think that they could have backed the Bengals off and got a little bit more out of their offense overall. As it stood, they made a couple of big plays. The Traylon Burke play was big, and they were able to sneak Derrick Henry past the line a couple of times. But overall, we talked about throwing body blows. It didn't feel like their body blows were hitting quite as hard. And in the end, the Bengals still had enough energy to finish off this game when the Titans didn't. As I said earlier, I absolutely think that the Tennessee Titans are a playoff team, no doubt about it, but ultimately I have some questions for them as far as what they're going to do when they get there and ultimately how far can they go with this team and with this quarterback. Derrick Henry is one thing. The man is incredible and is still going strong, looks as strong as ever to me while he's out there. I don't know that I think the offensive line looks quite as good as it has in years past. It seems like a lot of the mainstays aren't there anymore, and it's and the line is just kind of dilapidated a little bit where it's not exactly the strength of this team anymore. And that's a problem when you're, a lot of your identity is wrapped up in Derrick Henry and in the run game overall. Tannehill is capable of bus driving and may even be one of the top-end guys when it comes to some of the quarterbacks that aren't pocket passers and aren't pluses when it comes to dropping back and throwing the ball, but are more managers and just try to keep the offense going. He's good in that Kirk Cousins type of range of quarterback that we talk about all the time. You know, there's Kirk, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill. These guys, these are the guys we're talking about in this range where if a play is to be made, the guy's open. He doesn't really have to think about it too much. He's capable of delivering that ball and he's capable of making reads. It's just, he's not going to throw a bunch of guys open. He's not going to make a whole bunch of decisive decisions to make a bunch of dynamic plays in the passing game. You saw with the Burks play, he's capable of working the ball downfield when there's play action, when he's given that extra time and the like, but 
if that's not a part of it and the other team knows that he's passing in those type of pure passing situations, those, those aren't where he shines at all. It's, it's, it's tough in that part of his game for the Titans. And it does hold them back at times when you get into game situations like this, like had they gotten the ball back instead of committing the penalty at the very end, I have my questions about whether Ryan Tannehill could have led that drive when the other team knows that you're passing, you know that you're passing, and now it's time to put up or shut up when it comes to throwing really accurate tight window throws to get your team back in the game while avoiding the rush, while seeing the entire field, while looking off the safety. There's a lot to it, and Tannehill just doesn't have a lot of those things in his bag. It's not that he doesn't make any of those throws. It's just you can't consistently count on him to throw you back into games like that. You have to get on top of these teams and then, you know, play from ahead and get your defense, you know, rushing the passer and, and getting everything moving in your direction, getting the game script moving in your direction. And the Titans just couldn't really get ahead in that way in this game. And then in the end, you know, when they needed those plays, they they didn't quite make them. And uh, unless there was some sort of big Derrick Henry play or a big Traylon Burks play, it was really hard for the Titans to maintain drives with the way that their running game was going on this day. So while I think the Titans are good, they're probably going to run into some teams that can stop the run and can do what the Bengals did today, commit just a little bit more resources without having to go overboard and still stopping the Titans and keeping them behind the sticks. And then when it comes down to those third and long plays, Tannehill just doesn't quite have it. And I don't feel like this offense from a schematic standpoint is all that special when it comes to making open receivers and getting their guys down the field. Once again, they don't have the time that they used to have to do so because of the line, but it's also, I just don't see as many, just easy, easy plays like they used to have built into the offense. The the horizontal stuff that they're doing doesn't seem to make as much sense or just be as schematically pleasing. And it just hasn't led to a ton of consistent offense that doesn't center around Derrick Henry. Good thing is I like Vrabel. I like Zach Taylor too, by the way, but I like Vrabel. And if any coach is going to pull it off and any coach is going to try and squeeze blood out of this stone. It is Mike Vrabel, and I do have a a lot of faith in his ability to coach and what he's been doing with the Tennessee Titans to this point. So I don't mean to be doom and gloom in a game that was this close, but I I just have expectations for the Titans, and I don't know that the passing game and, and the way that that's been going and just really the offense overall has been going, if that's going to get the Titans or me uh, thinking about the Titans over the hump in this point. Um, I like Traylon Burks to be clear, and he's been getting uh, more and more involved and seems to be getting more and more comfortable as the, uh, as the games go along. I don't think that he's set to be that end all beat all wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans at this point, but they do need to continue to get him open looks and to get him down the field. Cause uh, it does look like he's got something. Uh, it's just a, uh, what can he be in this offense? How are they going to use him? And, you know, if he's going to get worked in on the shorter stuff, he's going to have to be really consistent with his hands. So how consistent is that portion of it going to be? We haven't really gotten an opportunity to this point 
to see that, you know, with this offense not being so pass happy, that may not be something we get to see until there's some major changes there. Whether that'll happen or not, we'll see. But this season will be a great test for that. They may also be locked into another Tannehill season with the way that the contract is set up. But I don't think that Malik Willis is ready anyway. He showed to be pretty raw as a passer in his time in the offense as well. And uh, the the offense was really Derrick Henry based and really run based with Malik Willis in there. So there's a long way to go with his development. So we'll see what the Titans are able to get out of this time they have left with Derrick Henry, Tannehill and the like, and, and whether they're able to make some noise in the playoffs this season. That's what I've got for this game. If you haven't done so, download the podcast. Let me know that you're here and listening. If you're on YouTube, throw me a like, throw me a subscription because I'm going to be bringing football content to you, not only with the podcast, but with videos as well to kind of give you an idea of what I'm seeing when I watch the coaches film and when I watch these games to try and make sense of these games and what's going on with these teams on a week-to-week basis. So watch for more videos. Watch. I'm going to try to get to a couple more games, so look forward to that. And otherwise, appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day.